Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall Podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City. City Council Questions. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you are running for. My name is Pat Jones. I'm running for Rapid City Council, Ward 1. Question number one is what can the city do so that people can find affordable housing? A lot of people don't know this or haven't paid much attention, but there are over 50 abandoned properties in Rapid City that if they were to be put on the market by the owners, they could be bought and flipped by local contractors to become affordable homes for first-time homebuyers, single moms, senior citizens, whoever is in need of affordable housing. Many of the people that own these rundown, abandoned, and dangerous properties refuse to sell them. Maybe they don't pay the taxes on them, and they just sit back and wait for the county or the city to come after them. The process takes a great deal of time and resources by the city and the county that most of them are never pursued. If there was an ordinance in place that would force these delinquent property owners to either fix or sell in a timely manner, and if it was enforced by a city housing officer, the city would benefit far more and have better tax revenue, local neighborhoods would improve, they'd become better and safer places to live, the ripple effect would go on and on. Local contractors would have work, it would just enhance the quality of life in our city immensely. I firmly believe that the added revenue collected from a project like this would more than pay for the salary of a city housing officer, and this idea needs to be pursued. In the area of new construction, the city needs to be willing to work with local city contractors trying to get permits and licenses and not be slowed down by local bureaucratic issues. At this time, a city contractor or any contractor cannot do business with the city after 4 p.m. To me, this is ridiculous. Perhaps local staff that work in these offices could be staggered so these offices are open to expanded hours. It wouldn't cost any more, just the staff that's currently working would be spread out. And they could maybe even be open on Saturdays so that permits, licenses, inspections, Applications and questions could be answered and addressed in a more user-friendly manner. Next question. What more can the city do to help its residents with mental health and addiction needs? A very important, very serious question. We seem to be more concerned with cleaning up the issues related to mental health and addiction needs rather than investing more in prevention. As an educator for 33 years, 16 years as a classroom teacher, 17 years as a principal and, and superintendent of schools, I saw the impact of drugs, alcohol, and abuse in the homes of many of my students. When we would report these observations to the police or to social services, their hands were often tied as the parents or guardians were given so many opportunities to try to, try to get better that the needs of the children often were a distant second. It seems that the morality of right and wrong have gone away, and many people think they're free to do whatever they want and that someone else will clean up their mess. I strongly support prevention methods such as support for parents, children, and others. I support helping outside agencies like the YMCA, Youth and Family Services, and others that can make a difference early in the life of a child and help the family grow together, whatever the family might be, help them all grow together. I am thrilled that the Hope Center is now open and believe it needs to be fully supported through the public and the private sector. 
it would be great to see the corporate support for that facility in the same manner we see corporate support for the Civic Center. Banners hanging everywhere supporting this, that, concessions, name rooms, etc. Though not as glamorous, the impact a properly funded Hope Center can make will greatly impact the lives of those it serves. I also support maximum law enforcement consequences for anyone who sells drugs in our community. They know it is against the law and goes against everything a good and decent society stands for. So if they sell drugs in our community, their second chance will come after they've served their time. Next question. Do you think the city should go from Dillon's rule to home rule? And what do you see as the advantages of each? I currently serve on the mayor's home rule study committee and am in a terrific place to be part of this group studying the question. I want to stress that I'm sharing my own opinions here and not speaking on behalf of the 17-person committee. By definition, Dillon's rule says, in a nutshell, that a municipal government has authority to act when the power is specifically granted to them by the state, the power is necessary or implied, or it is neither expressly granted or implied, but is essential. Home rule states, again in a nutshell, that municipalities have the power and authority to do whatever they see fit and in the best interest of the citizens as long as it does not violate a law or is specifically prevented by state law. Home rule seems to be the flavor of the month right now and is getting a great deal of attention. Several cities in South Dakota have switched to this form of government, and it might be a good fit for Rapid City. But at this point, it is too soon to tell. Some cities that have switched have changed from ward representation to election at large of their city council members. I do not support this idea. I believe that with the diversity we have in Rapid City, all parts of town need equal representation on the council. I also believe that we need to elect our mayor rather than have the council appoint a mayor, which is not uncommon in a home rule setting. Two questions I have in studying the change are, what will it allow us to do that we cannot do now? And what will be the financial impact on the city from a personnel standpoint if we make the change? As a member of this committee, I am the right candidate to be on the city council as I have been part of the study process since it began in March. Almost 50 people applied to be on this committee and a 17 person committee was selected by the mayor and the city council and I'm honored to have been selected to be on it and have been studying it since March. Next, what changes should the city do to cover the expected shortfall in revenue due to COVID-19? First, we'll need to get the most accurate projections available. Next, we'll need to sort out the nice-to-haves versus the need-to-haves and go from there. We will also have to look at ways to generate new or replacement revenue, such as user fees or increased cost for selected city services. None of these changes will be popular, but they must be done in order to continue to operate the business of the city. Now, just recently, in fact, last night on Monday, um, I attended the city council meeting, which I've been doing the last several meetings in order to get up to speed, ready to go on the council should I be elected. And last night, the mayor did a presentation on budget reduction and what he is suggesting for uh, budget reductions in order to meet 
the COVID shortfalls. This was a lengthy presentation by the mayor. Uh, he, along with department heads, have been working on this, and I applaud them for that. So they are being ahead of the curve rather than just trying to play catch up. Now, no one knows right now, no one has a crystal ball to say exactly what the economic impact is going to be. But the best projections at this time show about a $6.6 .6 million shortfall in the general fund budget. And that's the main budget that funds the city. So the mayor and department heads have suggested various cuts to help address those needs, both by cutting spending and additional revenues in order to make it work. So I would work with the council, work with the mayor, work with the department heads to implement these and try to find new and innovative ways to fund programs that we fully believe are essential, but might have to be cut due to revenue. Again, this will be a very difficult decision. Uh, people with good history, background, and level heads and budgeting need to be part of this process. And I have a tremendous amount of experience in that area and believe I'm the right person to help do that. The next question, what criteria or measurements do you think the city should use to allow a freer business environment or to reestablish restrictions because of the COVID-19? Again, last night at the board meeting, they addressed extending the restrictions uh, removing the city's ability to put restrictions in place. They continue to take an active role in trying to look out for the best health interests of our citizens, as well as the economic needs of the business owners. It's a very fine line. You turn on the TV news, people are arguing in one city to open up, and they're arguing in another city to stay closed. So there's no perfect answer here. And cooler heads have to prevail, and wise decisions need to be made. Common sense must be applied. I do applaud the path that the current city council has followed, both in closing most businesses and the current plan of this soft reopening. We see across the country that there's certainly no one right answer to this very difficult decision. I attended a recent city council meeting where the mayor presented his plan to reopen businesses. Councilwoman Laura Armstrong presented her counter opinion in a very dramatic and effective manner, and comment was taken from the audience, which included both those in favor of opening and those, both, and those wanting things to stay closed. In the end, a suggestion from a local business owner paved the way towards the soft reopening we are experiencing now, that being reopen at 50% capacity to keep social distancing in place, see how it works, see how the businesses can do it, and then if it works, go on from there. A brilliant piece of advice from a local business owner. The council listened, they adopted it, and it's currently in place. If businesses are wanting to reopen, they need to do it right. There also needs to be some common sense applied, as I struggle to see how being surrounded by people at Walmart is safer than having dinner at a local restaurant that is only offering 50% capacity of their seating. In the end, it's a personal decision how and when each person and family reintegrates themselves back into society. I believe the city needs to monitor the success and or failure of this reopening plan and be ready to take any necessary action in response to this monitoring. Next question. Is this current, in this current business environment, do you think there should be any changes to the plans for the mixed-use facility for the corner of 5th and St. Joe? Being that we are in a new normal, all plans must be revised and rethought. The best decisions and needs that, were, that took place before mid-March may not be the right case now, so more and better ideas should be welcomed to the table by the city. 
What are your one or two priorities you would like to accomplish during your time on the city council? My top priorities for Ward 1, which I will be representing, are better streets and improved public safety. As a Rapid City Council person, I want to add my experience and expertise in budgeting and working through a community crisis to help the city recover and return to an amazing level of greatness. Our ward has, has some streets that are in horrendous shape. We have some potholes that could bounce you into next week. And I believe our area of town has been uh, a bit neglected in, in projects and plans. And I want to be an advocate, a zealous advocate, for the needs of the people in our community, both the residential and the business owners, because we need better streets. As far as the public safety aspect, we continue to hear on the news about break-ins into vehicles, um, unlocked vehicles with guns in them. Uh, we need to educate our citizens more how to better take care of themselves. The simple steps they can take encourage them to do so, again, rather than just expecting our public safety officials to come and clean up the mess after something bad has happened. An ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. The final question is, what do you bring to the city council as far as experience and special skills to make Rapid City a better place to live? I have lived in Rapid City for most of my life, come and gone for a few different jobs in different parts of the state, but Rapid City has always been home. I remember the devastating impact of the 1972 flood, how the city rebounded and ended up better than before. I remember the wildfires that surrounded the west side of our city how neighbor helped neighbor, and how our amazing public safety people took great care of us. I remember the initial discussions of bringing the Rushmore Plaza Civic Center to the Rapid City in the late 70s, and I could go on and on with many more examples. Knowing this history will be very valuable as ideas and discussions take place with the council and various committees as to how to move Rapid City forward. Having served 10 years on the city council in Leeds, South Dakota, I will be able to hit the ground running and be effective in my role. Having worked in the public sector for 33 years, I have a depth of knowledge in budgeting, personnel, working with other government entities from local to state and tribal to the national level. And in closing, I've always had and believed in a sense of fair play and not letting the bad guy win. In both my personal and professional life, I've had tremendous accomplishments and also I've suffered difficult and challenging situations. We grow as we have these experiences and we learn how to help others through them as well. I will bring this level of human caring, compassion and kindness to the city council and hopefully cause us to work together in a manner that is most beneficial to the citizens of Rapid City. Thank you very much and I respectfully ask for your vote on June 2nd. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall Podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City.